Morena Tefana, how do you transition from that to this? I don't, I don't know. Um, Father God, that your spirit is here working amongst us and Lord, the whole sermon series is about stopping, isn't it? It's about acknowledging you in our lives. It's about taking a moment to just be. So, Father God, whatever heartstrings have been pulled this morning, and in whatever way your spirit has touched us, Lord, may it not be just a moment. May it not be just something that has passed on, flitted away. <laughs> Praise you, God. Go ahead of us. Hear your word this morning. And continue to work in us as you have, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Continuing the series this morning on um, fire and smoke, last week we talked a little bit about Moses' encounter with a burning bush. This morning um, we're going to start the guts of the series where we're going to be opening up a few of the Psalms and just seeing how the psalmist engages with God in the everyday, in the mundane, in the highs and the lows of life. Um, but before we get into that with uh, Psalm 1 this morning, um, I'll tell you a story. This was our life group, our home group uh, in, uh, at Apollo Baptist Church. So before coming here to Hutt City eight years ago, we were pastoring at um, Apollo Baptist Church. This was our life group, minus two couples. One couple is here today, Alan and Bex, who were a part of that group. Uh, another couple who weren't there when we took this photo. But um, this was our home group, and our home group for, for a good majority of our time there. And um, one person in particular, Heather, um, you can't miss her. She's in the middle there with the white hair. Um, quite the character, Heather. She uh, was a drug dealer. Um, she, um, yeah, um, just to give you a better picture, that's, that's Heather there in the pink shirt when we were baptising her that Sunday. Um, we connected with her um, and, you know, she was going through a bit of a rough time. She had been dealing drugs. Uh, she was known as the grandma drug dealer. Um, but life was kind of crashing around her a bit. Mum had passed away, her mum. Her daughter had um, a real big problem with addiction. She had multiple children from multiple partners that she had lost custody of. Um, and her oldest grandson was at Christchurch Men's Prison for murder. Um, quite, quite a tough story. And... Um, it was, I mean, it just, it's fascinating. We, we, we tend to deal with, when it comes to churches, we tend to deal with young people coming to Christ. Older people, it's, it's a bit more rare to see. Um, and, uh, you know, when you, when you see an older person coming to Christ, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. And also uh, a realisation that they don't know much about Christianity. And I remember Heather came into a home group one night and she was excited. She wanted to tell us that she'd watched The Passion of Christ. You know the movie? But she was pretty annoyed because she couldn't find an English version of it. She could only find a dubbed version. And, and we had to sit there and tell her. It was like, um, but Heather, that's the, the great thing about that movie. It's, it's written, I mean, they, they speak in the actual language 
Jesus would have spoke. And there was this moment of horror on her face when she just kind of, I mean, we take it for granted, okay? But for her, it was like, you mean he didn't speak English? I said, yeah. And another thing, he wouldn't have had long hair. And she just was like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And so it was just this realization of who is this Jesus? It was a whole new thing for her. And um, I remember some of the things that we used to talk about. Um, they were difficult things. And some of the conversations we, we were having at the time were conversations around, you can't tell me to take the Bible seriously because for her, Christianity in general was irrelevant. It didn't speak into her life. It had nothing to do with how she was living her life. Christianity to her looked kind of like this. This is a reefer church in Glendalock. It's over a thousand years old. It's a shell of what it used to be. And in a sense, for her, that's what Christianity looked like, this empty shell of overgrown weeds in the middle of nowhere, really no relevance to who we are today. She'd been, uh, we, we don't realize this sometimes, how much we're influenced by our past or, or by the past history of humanity. A lot of us today are influenced by this guy. Um, it's another photo of Reefert Church, but anyone, oh, I'm going to ask, does anyone know who this guy is? But hey, one marble bus looks like all of them, doesn't it? Right? Um, anyone got an idea? No? Close, but no? Sorry? No? 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 He was born, at, yeah, he was age 17 when, um, when Aristotle died, so he was around with Alexander the Great. Sorry? Anyone know him? Anyone know who Epicurus is? Oh. Oh. Heathens. What, a, what am I dealing with here? Epicurus. Now, we actually don't know much about him himself. He was a Greek philosopher, but he came up, he was dealing with people who were tired with religion. Okay, people who were overwhelmed by what was required of them to meet the needs of the gods. So he started a movement that really didn't pick up until maybe a couple of hundred years after his death, about the time of Julius Caesar, about the time when the Roman Republic was falling apart. And a guy by the name of Lucretius wrote this, uh, it's a poem, but it's a story called De Rerum Natura, which means of the nature of things. And in it, he founds the philosophy of Epicurus, which basically is this. Make sense? Do we, it's kind of a modern day here, isn't it? It's not a Monday thinking, it's a thousand years old. And the early church was faced with this because Epicureanism was quite popular in the Roman world, mainly because people were just a bit overwhelmed by the spiritual world. They were overwhelmed with religion, with the demands of religion, not being good enough. And so Epicureanism came up with this idea that says, yeah, yeah, there's nothing you can do about life. It just happens to you. You don't choose when you're born. Most of us don't choose when we die. 
So you might as well just live the best life you can. We would add to that maybe things like, just, just be as good as you can, right? Be good, right? And I asked Heather this question, how's it going with that? And she says, not going at all. Yeah, there is nothing I can do about it. And I try to live my best life, but look what I've done with it. And when she was confronted with her burning bush, with God calling her, her response was no different than Moses's. That response was, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Why me? What have I done to deserve this? I'm rotten. I'm no good. It was a challenging moment for her, but it was a moment that changed her life completely. As it did to Moses, 40 years in the desert, on his own, all of a sudden, joined to the hip with God on a mission. The thing about Psalms, and the reason why I've chosen that book to expound, unpack this, is because it's so real. It's so real. We lose track of it because, I mean, some of the verses in there, we've, we've repeated, advert, I don't know, to the point of we know them off by heart, and we've lost the meanings behind it, but there is a reality behind it. This comment in one of the commentaries I was reading says this, the life of the Psalms is messy life where pain and joy, self-knowledge and self-doubt, love and hatred, trust and suspicion break upon one another, overlapping and competing for our attention. And in these Psalms, this messy life, this real life, is constantly brought before God, our own messiness, and as it ought to be, before it is cleansed up, cleaned up and sanitized. You know, you can't have the post-story of meeting God without having the pre-story of meeting God. It's who we are without God. Psalm 1 is a psalm that we're going to reflect on today. Um, and I'll just quickly read through it, and then I'll give you a little bit of a quick background, and then we'll get stuck into it, okay? So Psalm 1 starts as this. It's, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the, with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So Psalm 1, just a quick background, actually is not Psalm 1. Uh, Acts 13, 32 to 33 has this point where it says, we tell you the good news. What God promised our ancestors, has, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. As it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. But that's actually a wrong translation. Early manuscripts, actually the majority of manuscripts, it's only been the later manuscripts that start calling it the second. They've always been called the first. That's because the way the psalms was written the first psalm was actually Psalm 2. Psalm 1 was an intro. 
it was written later on just as an intro to what you're about to read in the following Psalms. But we've called it Psalm 1, so the translators of the Bible over the years have thought it's going to get confusing for people if we keep saying Psalm 1 when it's actually Psalm 2, so we're just going to translate it as Psalm 2. With me? Now, that's the only bit of theological advice I'm going to give you on this psalm. Today's going to be very different in the way I approach preaching altogether. I'm going to do some things that if you have a brethren background, you're going to find appalling. And believe me, I've grown up as a Christian in a brethren church, so I know. First off, I am not going to use other Bible verses except one when I'm quoting Jesus. So there'll be nothing other than quotes from people and even a secular song. Not only am I going to do that, but I am going to translate Psalm 1 the way I want to translate it. So there's a challenge for you to bear with me through this. It's not what I usually do, you guys know me. But when I was reaching Heather, I realized that I had to do it in a way that was different. Because standard English is not easy for a lot of people, believe it or not. We need to talk a language that people can understand. So let me tell you, show you my translation, the first part of Psalm 1. You are blessed when you don't walk down that same old path. You know that path, so easy to go down. And the excuses you make to keep going there where you know you shouldn't be. You are blessed when you put God before yourself and you reflect on his ways as often as you can. And it leads me to the first point I want to share with you this morning is this. Look around. How are you being influenced? What is actually influencing the decisions you make? What makes you, you? This is the biggest and first challenge of this intro psalm. It's challenging people to say, what actually guides you? What makes you make decisions? What is the oomph in your life? Nothing you can do about it, just enjoy your life as best you can. Is it you? Is it your logic? Is it the way you think things need to be done? Because let me tell you, being a Christian is not about enjoying oneself. It's about enjoying God. It's a tough word. But that is the essence of a Christian life, is to grow deeper in Him. Not in our own selves. Not in the things that we build, but in the relationship we have with God. At the end of the day, that's it. How much time are you spending with God? How much does he dictate your decision-making? How often do you seek him out with the steps that you take? How much are you willing to give up for him? My one quote from Jesus is this. 
whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, I will save it. There are many, believe me, I've gone through this. I had about a thousand Bible verses I could throw out there at you. I don't need to. You know. You know. The more we give to him, the more we gain. The more we let go, the more enriched we become. The second part of Psalm 1 goes on like this. Again, my version. You are blessed like a person who can stand tall after an earthquake, unshaken, strong, your feet held tightly by the one you trust, the one who won't let you fall, the one who builds you up. Doing it your way has left you with what? Repeated hurts and pain? Clawing to nothing but wind and dust. Sometimes we bang our heads against the wall time and again and we wonder why it doesn't work. Sometimes we hold so tightly to things that when we lose them, we are broken. Our plans never seem to work out. The challenge on this part is this. Look inside, what are you becoming? Who are you becoming? N.T. Wright has this quote where he says, the Beatitudes, he's talking about chapter 5 of Matthew and Jesus' teaching, blessed are those. He says this, the Beatitudes are not rules to be followed, but characteristics growing in those who have bound their lives to Jesus Christ and have planted their roots deep in the stream of life that flows out from his words, life, and person. And the challenge there is how deep are your roots in Jesus? Are we clawing at at wind and dust? Brother Lawrence, in his book, In the Presence of God, he says this, our sanctification does not depend upon changing what we do but in doing for God's sake what we normally would do for our own sake. It's sad to see how many people mistake the means for the end, addicting themselves to religious works which they perform very imperfectly because of their human or selfish motives. It's not what we do, but in doing for God's sake what we normally do for our own sake. And then the third part of the psalm, the end part, going your way leads you away from God. That path will only cause you more pain. Focus on God and he'll watch over you, but turning away from him takes you down a dark path. And it's the last point. Look ahead. Find time to seek God. Find time to be with him. It took Moses 40 years to encounter the burning bush, at which point he most probably thought his life was over. And fair enough, he's 80 years old in the middle of a desert. He doesn't have much of a social life. 
I've always wondered how many burning bushes he had passed. How many times did he actually seek God out? Did he stop and waited upon him? When we go down our own path, it can lead us into darkness. There's this great song by a band named Daughter. The name of the song is called Youth. And in it, she sings these words. She says this. She says, well, I've lost it all. I'm just a silhouette. I'm a lifeless face that you will soon forget. My eyes are damp from the words you left ringing in my head when you broke my chest, ringing in my head when you broke my chest. And if you're in love, then you are the lucky one because most of us are bitter over someone and setting fire to our insides for fun to distract our hearts from ever missing them. But I am forever missing him. And she's talking about how much love she poured in a relationship when that relationship broke up and her partner left her and left her with nothing to the point where she will burn her insides to distract herself from thinking about them. And that's the dark path that we follow when there is nothing other than that in our lives. We end up becoming just like this church ourselves. We end up becoming an empty shell dragged and pulled and pulled apart like these empty tombs that once had names on them but the weather is now weathered away. Our identity is gone and God does not want that for us. He does not want that for us. He has your name. He has your identity and he wants you to thrive but he wants you to thrive in him because everything around us is temporary and people will let you down and life is hard. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. Where is God calling you right here and now? Where are the burning bushes in your life here and now? Look around, how are you being influenced? Look inside, what are you becoming? Who are you becoming? And look ahead, find time to seek God. For that is a relationship that will give you life. That is a relationship that will build you up. Amen? Ask our music team to come up. That's just Psalm 1, hey? There's power and reality in the Psalms that just speak truth to who we are and where we're at. The pain, the suffering, the hurt. And we hear these Psalms echoed through our generations. Our young people, our old people, they have their Psalms and it sounds very similar to the stuff we read in that big old book in the middle of that Bible. And it's God's yearning to connect with you, to be with you, to make him his all and all in you. And that is your challenge this week. Look around, look inside, look ahead. Father God, I just want to lift up hearts today, Lord. Some who might have been triggered by some of the words. Some who might feel the pain and hurt. And Holy Spirit, I pray for your comfort and peace. We turn 
our eyes upon you, Jesus. That we turn our eyes to you, Lord Jesus. Great, great is your faithfulness, O God. Great is your faithfulness.